I had ambitions to become a graphic designer. That's what I wanted to do. I was sure of it, and I was ready for it, but then I had no clients, and so I kind of had to come to terms with the fact that I had to put my style aside and just service people, just try a bunch of styles, try a bunch of different um, niches, and with time and with practice, that credibility came around, and when, started, when I started to work at St. Woods, Hello beautiful people, I hope you're having, about to, or have had a beautiful day today. If you're new here, my name is Sime, Sime Like Time. Welcome to a place where we hang out and start conversations with creatives. I'm excited for you to learn about this creative genius. I'm speaking about Flo, the head of graphic design for St. Woods. We conversed about his favorite fonts, design books, perfectionism, and much more. Let's get into it. start graphic and web design work? Very good question. I've always been inclined to the arts since I was a young kid. I loved crafting, I loved using my hands to draw, to paint. Never was into sport at all. I don't know if you can tell, never been into that, that kind of stuff. And so in CJAP, I did fine arts, which was eye-opening. So fun to, to get to meet people that I had the same drive, same ambitions as me, to meet teachers that saw the potential in me. And the more I was going into fine arts and painting and drawing, my work kind of started to have a direction. I kind of started to have a style. And teachers were telling me, you have a very graphic style. You know, you, you, you really think about typography and colors and placement. And the other students were, you know, just going with the flow, kind of just like letting the paint do its thing on the canvas. And I really, I couldn't do it. I couldn't get myself to just paint. I really had to think about the composition. I had to like draw in, on paper and I, it had to be like perfect. Like it couldn't change on the canvas. So this kind of process I learned that is, that's graphic design. That's how you approach graphic design. So naturally I went to that. Do you think um, if you if you were good at sports, graphic design would be something you would take on as a challenge? Because you, because I guess you were conscious about you not being able to play in sport teams, so you're like, well, I got to do something here. There's definitely a bit of that, um, wanting to impress peers, maybe, or impress my dad. My dad always had very high expectations for me. Um, so if I wasn't good at sports, I had to be good at something, like you say. And so because I wasn't doing sport, I wasn't playing with friends outside. I would just kind of like lock myself in my room and make little movies and just be on my computer all the times, playing around with softwares and stuff like that. So I think early on, I just told myself that I had to pick something, pick a craft. And you did that consciously or subconsciously? you know, 10, 12, so can you really call it conscious? I yeah. don't know. Okay. Um, so you, you do say that you're a workaholic, right? I mean, we all know your work is phenomenal, and I think you know that Thank too. You. It's because you, I think you do more than the average person would, but would you still be a workaholic and get the same level of dopamine if you didn't get validated by your client or your coworkers? As sadly as this answer is going to be no, you can't create in a vacuum. There needs to be this push and pull from the outside world. And um, I don't think I'd be able to create if there was no pressure on me. 
impress people or to impress myself. I wish I could just rely on my own validation, you know, but it's not the case. And especially in graphic design, you have to kind of deal with clients that have insane expectations or insane demands. And you want to be able to fulfill every single demand because you want you want the clients to come back to you to, and to refer to you. Right, exactly. I mean, because at the end of the day, it is a business. Like, you have to, you, people are essentially buying a product that you're making. With graphic design, it's become a craft that's very accessible, Yeah. very easy to learn. Um, all you need is a computer and somewhat of taste, a taste. Um, so you kind of want to have to, you kind of have to market yourself as the best one or as a really good graphic designer because there's, there's millions and millions out there that can do it especially overseas. As you're starting in the creative industry, whether it's graphic design, photography, painting, whatever it may be, you obviously want to find a style or brand because you want to attract people that are want to pay for that brand or pay for that style. But at first, when you have no credibility, that's hard to do. Um, and by credibility, I mean a number of clients or some sort of a name or authority in the business and that took me years to come to terms with. I came out of or even during university I was I was I had ambitions to become a graphic designer that's what I wanted to do I was sure of it and I was ready for it but then I had no clients and so I kind of had to come to terms with the fact that I had to put my style aside and just service people just try a bunch of styles try a bunch of different um, niches. And with time and with practice, that credibility came around. And when, started, when I started to work at St. Woods, that, that's when it really picked up. Because I have this job and I'm starting to, to have a name in the industry, I can start saying no. I can start to really find my, na- my niche, my style, and be like, no, this is, this is what I do. This is what I'm going to do. That's, that's beautiful. You know, something that resonates with me is I kind of found work from everywhere. I built that portfolio up, and eventually I had, I had that portfolio so I could pick a niche. So what do you prefer, internal satisfaction from clients or coworkers or yourself? Obviously, it feels good when it comes from within. Okay. When you're able to produce this dopamine yourself and be proud of yourself after... Um, a project, but at the end of the day, a graphic designer services a client or an industry. So whether it's a a chef, if the client isn't happy with the food that's being served, then the chef might feel like they've not done the job properly in a way. Right. Yeah, no, I get that. So you have this relationship with perfectionism. Mm -hmm. Like before even starting a project, you already have um, how it will look like in your mind, mm-hmm. and then you need to find a way to make it look like that. Are you usually able to achieve that perfectionism vision? Because personally speaking, I don't believe perfectionism is even a thing. I think it's a, it's almost like a mental health challenge. It's an illusion. It doesn't even exist, yet we beat ourselves up and we try to make it something that doesn't even exist. I think when you're working at a fast pace and you're producing stuff back to back to back, I think there's something good in there because you don't you don't have the time to look on your work and find what's what's wrong with it. So when I put something out, I try to not look at it again. If the client's happy and I'm happy, 
or I'm 99% happy, then that's good enough for me. Just going to move on. Got it. And yeah, that's a, that's more of a professional way to look at it. And I think, I personally think you have achieved that mindset through just working a lot. Okay, let's let's move on to your hobby. You love antique shopping, okay? Yes. Um, when was the moment you realized that you're in love with antique shopping? And what is your favorite item that you found? That's a really good question. Um, I think it started when the trend of thrifting came about, maybe in 2016, 2017. You know, I love to go shopping for clothes, but then I found myself being more interested in the objects. I'd say a renaissance, the more the, the object section right. with the, the, the chairs and the frames and the cups and stuff like that. And I was looking less, more of that and less of the clothing. And then, I don't know, it was just the idea of spending time going through the aisles and picking something up and finding a fun little quote or, you know, just imagining stories with that. And then I started looking at flea markets, you know, whether it's in Montreal or in France, you know. And I don't know, there's something really fun about getting lost in this world. And um, to me, it kind of reminds me of like when a kid or we used to get lost in a toy store. Yeah. You know, like the, it's endless. The, the options are endless and you're like, hey, can I get this? Can I get that? You don't even know what you want to get. Yeah, that's that's how I feel when I go to, um, I, I don't go to thrift stores, but more so like expensive thrift, thrift stores. More curated. More curated. Yeah. yeah, that's a better way to express it. Shout out to Reup. Mm-hmm. Have you been to Reup? Yes. yes. They, got, they got nice clothes. It's the fact also that like it's pretty affordable, so you're kind of thinking, I want to take this home, I want to take this home too. But you also asked about my favorite, right? My yeah, favorite yeah, yeah. Item. I am obsessed with Facebook Marketplace. I browse th- on it every single day, mm-hmm. um, and I think now my my feed is pretty curated to what I like. I found this beautiful um, 1980s um, IKEA designer piece. It's like this beautiful sh- shelf and wood and metal and, okay interesting. And I saw it on Facebook place one day and I was just obsessed with it I contacted the seller and then it was sold out and I was it was like a heartbreak and I couldn't stop thinking about that shelf for weeks and weeks and weeks and then just like that out of the blue it disappeared again on my feed and I had to get it and I and I ran and now it's in my life it's been in my life for a year and it's my favorite piece that I own did you feel fulfilled when you got it yeah there's a that's weird because like yeah a sense of reward and yeah 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 no i get that because you're like i mean before you even saw it you didn't even know that existed and then Mm -hmm. it was like fuck now i have to get i have to get it it's like i couldn't live my life without it it was it had to happen it's it's so interesting how like some of us have these little things that mean so much Mm -hmm. to us and the other person like it's just a fucking shelf it's just a shelf. Yeah. It's just four pieces of wood. Just a personal question. I feel like we adults never talk about our hobbies. That is Have you noticed that? Very true. And I just wanted to bring that up because I, when you told me about your hobbies, I was like, Flo um, like, likes antique shopping. And I'm just like, yo, that's so cool. I wonder when was the last time he even talked about his hobbies, you know? Yeah, I mean... It almost feels like, you know, summer camp, icebreaker activity. You know, let's go around the room, say your name, say one thing, like your favorite meal and 
one thing you like to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you grow as a creative, a young entrepreneur or whatever, you tend to only want to do work. Yeah. I have to work, 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 network when I'm not working. It's mm-hmm. all those things and you really forget to take the time to either have time alone or find hobbies that are disconnected from your field of work. Yeah. One answer I was going to give as an as a hobby was drawing, but then I realized, do I really enjoy it? And I would, no, I don't enjoy it anymore because it's become such an important part of my work, you know, yeah. illustration, and and I don't find it as much enjoyable anymore because as I'm drawing, I'm thinking, oh, it has to be good for the client, you know, all this stuff. So I mean, we talked about this yesterday. I was listening to. Um, this podcast by Danny Miranda and he has these entrepreneurs that come in and then Harley Frankenstein, the president of Shopify, that's what he kind of talked about. He was like, um, when I was young, I used to DJ and then DJ started making me money and then I kind of forgot about like how much I loved doing it and now he has all the money in the world and now when he DJs, he's like, it's like I'm in a different world and that's what um, makes me think about what you just said. Okay, here's the thing. I went through your manifesting list in 2020, and I kind of want to talk about it, if we can. So, but you said in 2020, you wanted to get your work published. You got that done. Did I? It's all very, it's all very mumbled in my head. Um, define published. I mean, you wrote published. I did. I want to get my I work did. published. You probably have a better meaning. But I would say published is probably like, if we're thinking old school, then magazine. If yeah. we're thinking new school. Did not happen. I mean, oh, I did a cover for school magazine. That's something. That's pretty cool. Right. Um, I, I exhibited at a gallery last year. That's um, cool. Is that published? Probably I not. I think that's published. Yeah, um, all right, so... Are we saying check? Yeah, we're saying check. Yeah, okay. let's do it. Cool. Have my first show. First show. I guess that gallery show counts. Yeah. Wasn't mine, but part of it. Build a portfolio. I mean, I, you got one of the best portfolios we can thank find you, there. But I think what I meant by that was like an actual website. And I think that's the curse for every creative is that ongoing battle with the portfolio. I see. So what do you mean? Kind of like, because you can build a portfolio in Squarespace. Yeah. And I've tried. And for some reason, it's not me. Like I can't, I haven't found a way to express my personality through Squarespace. I don't know. I'll just be a devil's advocate. Do you have this perfect vision of how you want the website to look like? And then you can't, and it's not reaching that level, I I guess? I don't have a vision, I guess. I just want it to be weird and kooky and fun and bit me a bit unconventional you're talking about you know your brand that it's all about being conventional yeah and tee yeah. the form and that's what i want to do i don't want it to be just a regular scroll book gotcha gotcha i'll see if i can help you with that i'm sure you have references too right maybe it's it's because it's not that professional. You don't want the website to look all that professional. And no. I, I'm a nerd when it comes to we can find like little weird things. How to even new, how the newsletters placed and whatnot. Yes. You know. Yes. Um, Walking okay. around with the the structure. Exactly. You know? Yeah. 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 Because we're not. Every everything looks the same. Everything looks honest. the same. And also like a portfolio or website is like you. Yeah. But in digital form. 
Exactly. You're marketing yourself when you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. Is that why you made Flow Makes Flyers on Twitter, the account? Yes. So it's more curated towards your... I tried work. and felt a bit also quality of work is important for me, like quality of yeah. images and content and Twitter. I don't know how they run their thing, but they keep the quality sharp and that's like, that's what I want to do. But then you don't have the same audience and same mm-hmm. user experience that you have with Instagram. We all are living in two different worlds. You want to be the same flow that you see in person and on the internet. And I just don't think like internet has reached that point maybe. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm surprised you know that much about me considering the fact that I never take advantage of social media or I barely take advantage of it. But I'm surprised, which means that it's partially worked. Yeah, you probably had no idea what this was. It was just going to be a conversation, but you didn't know how it was going to go. I hope you're having fun. Right now? Yeah. I'm having the most fun. That's awesome. That makes me happy. So you went to Paris. Did you go to Paris in 2021 or 2020? Yes. Your fun, happy hour. I mean, you got your stuff there. Uh-huh. Um, got a studio? Did you get a studio? Never got a studio. I think you're on your way to get I a mean, studio. What are we talking about studio? Like a place where I can make art or a team of people? I mean, okay, because you kind of wrote it. Um, but I'd say by studio, what I was thinking is you meant like a personal, no, not an apartment. A studio where you can, like your office space. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I never, I never found a way to justify getting a space. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because I wanted to, I, have, I was like, I don't want to find my niche yet. Okay. I want to still have fun and make mistakes. I feel like once you start getting a studio, that's where things get serious. I love your mindset because I'm going to be honest. I'm like, hey, like I want to build this brand. I want to have this studio. But you think of like we have completely different, not vision, but perspective on the same thing. You're like, hey, if I don't have studio or that personal space and that overhead expense every month, I can kind of play around with more things and put money towards other projects that I can learn with and fail. Whereas I'm like, oh. Like, I just want a studio. I think since I was a young kid, I was always using my room to create. My room as my studio. Mm-hmm. And then when COVID happened, my room became my studio, but also my office and my classrooms. Yeah. And I think that really changed my relationship with my room. And now I'm seeing the, in, the interest or the benefit of reaching out and going to find and, and, and sourcing a, a physical space where you can do your work there, do your creative stuff, come back home to recharge and do your hobbies, meditate, yeah. and really turn off your your professional brain, if that makes sense. Right, right. Um, do you find yourself working on your bed a lot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I need to stop that too. Mm-hmm. Not good for the back. It's not good for or the good, back. Or good for anything. I mean, I read something from Atomic Habits. I don't know if you read that book, but... It talks about how... My boss just recommended me that book, actually. Who's your boss? Zach Malkovich. I think there's so much to learn from him. He's a great guy. Um, and he's been in this industry for so long. But yeah, but yeah no, I, I, I've reached out to him so many times and whatnot. Um, my goal is to have him on the podcast. You should. I'm going to make it happen. Well, I talked 
about the podcast with him actually. Yeah, did you? For some pointers. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's that's so cool. It's yeah, we did. It, it really is the small is a small world. It is, and I feel like he has a lot of um, he has a lot of exper- experience, and you can really tell. You know, like I was asking for for guidance for this podcast, and um, he name dropped Virgil. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like you can tell that he's met people that have given him like valuable lessons and i think he's willing to share those lessons and some people you know are not like that a lot of people are about are going to gatekeep yeah no 100 percent. i mean let's finish this and Mm -hmm. then i'm going to talk about something else so find an art related job and internship so st woods is your job and i think that counts for it did you when did you join st woods i joined st woods in december of 2021 so over a year ago, yeah, twenty twenty one, yeah, 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 over a year ago, um, but didn't start with Saint Woods actually. Um, I started, I started in a small branding, marketing, media firm, okay, in my land, and that was my first ever job as a graphic designer. Super fun, but I was not working with clients that were inspiring me. But I was still learning about the craft and learning about the industry, how to talk to clients, how to handle contracts or how to handle the timeline for projects, things like that. And then I I ran into one of the, the guys from St. Woods, Tom. Thomas. You know Tom? I think he's the most creative guy he's I have seen ge- around. He's a genius. He's a genius. The way he just thinks, does things, I've never met him again. It's it's weird. I don't know, for some reason, I can just kind of tell how a person would be. Just not even by meeting them, just by maybe looking at their Instagram username. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I think this person's going to be like that. No, he's great. If you ever get a chance to have him on the podcast. Um, yeah. He's a, he's a riot. And I think, but that's what kind of makes him who he is. Mm-hmm. I think so. And that's what, like, I mean, say it was, it looks, feels, has a completely different style than any other brand I know. I'm trying to think what other brand is like St. Woods. You know, you see, you go from a professional lookbook to like a fucking reel that starts with putting a poster up and then there's, and the Thomas is jumping in a hot tub or whatever. I don't uh, know how to do it. I've yeah. tried to wrap my hand around it and as kooky as I am, I, I don't understand. But um, so anyway, I meet Tom and we get along um, and he talks about how they need someone to fix some things on the on the St. Woods website. Okay. And I tell him, oh, well, I've done a lot of like um, web design, you know, by the time it was not my thing, but I still mentioned it. It's like, great, I'll have you at the office. So I did a bit of work for them on the website, nothing creative, nothing crazy. And then they asked me to meet me and I was like, oh, oh what's going on I was kind of scared yeah and I met with Zach and Tom and Aubrey and um kind of told me hey we came across your portfolio your Instagram I think we I think I think we, we think you're good and I was like okay I, I see where this is going and then they're like we're looking for a graphic designer t- to take on some branding and fire making for our bars and restaurants I was like I'm your guy and then and then the relationship started and I've been there for over a year yeah, and I mean, hey, you're killing it. Thanks. Were you born in Montreal? I don't know that. Born and raised in Montreal. So you've been following St. Woods for a while. Yeah. How did it feel like to actually become part of something that really you've been weird. following? It was really weird. It, at first, 
obviously any creative is going to be obsessed with St. Woods. I don't know. I don't know anybody who's not a fan. And obviously working for them was like a really weird dream. But then meeting the team and and seeing how down to earth and inclusive and have of a family they are, I think really broke down that that stereotype. No, that's not stereotype. The pedestal that they were on before. This is a personal question for me. What is something that you learned from Zach that resonated with you? He's taught me a few things. Um, the thing that he told me just recently, we went over for we went for coffee on Friday, and he told me, you know, tell people not what they want to hear, but what they need to hear, kind of way. You know, people don't. Yeah. People don't care if you worked for, you know, big names or big companies. People want to know or need to know about the process, about what you've learned, or the mistakes you've made. You know, I think it's important to to remind yourself that. Got it. Way. Yeah. Okay, um, we have so much to talk about. Like, we still haven't finished the manifesting. Listen, I'm having the most fun. So am I. You sold many paintings. That was one of the things on your manifesting list. Yes. Do you have your driver license yet? I do. Look at that. I do. Did you get it done in 2020? I did it, I did it during COVID. Actually. I see. Um, you have a car? I don't have a car because I refuse to get a car in the city. Yeah. With the winter, I think you're crazy if you have a car. You know what kind of boggles my mind? Because my friend has a car. Um, sometimes he has to wake up 5 in the morning and move the car so they can snow. Oh, sorry. Snow. I can't get a drink with you tonight. I have to go back home to move my car. Like, come on, dude. Yeah. Anyway, so no car. I have my driver's license. Thank God. And then you obviously collaborated with a big brand. But, no, have you collaborated with a big brand? Define big. I mean, I hey, mean, so you wrote on your manifesting list mm-hmm. that you want to collaborate with a big brand. Mm-hmm. I think St. Woods is a big brand. I think St. Woods is a huge brand. But then I work brand. for them, so can you consider That's why collaborating? Was... No. Um, what would be a big brand that you would want to collaborate with? A brand that inspired you, apart from St. Woods? That's a really good question. I think not brands so much as artists. Okay. I have a few artists on my mind that I would love to do work for. Um top of my head, Kichinata would be 100%. a really cool artist to work with. Um, one, because he's a Montreal legend. Right. Um, keeping in the family, and I think, and he's queer, um, and he's a genius. He's one of the most creative musicians I can think of. Yeah. And and having worked a lot in the, the music and nightlife industry, I think it would be a nice addition to that uh, portfolio. That's cool. Um do you know about you? You obviously know about brands like Brain Dead or Online Ceramics. Would you consider them? Have you been inspired by brands like those or your work? Brain Dead is pretty up there. Online Ceramics too. I really appreciate how they just keep making shit up. How they just keep producing stuff, and they're not afraid to kind of like stray away from, um, from their initial branding. But having worked for Saint Woods, who also is not afraid of of stray away, straying mm-hmm. away from the direction. Yeah. Um, having f- worked with people like that, I kind of understand that it's a bit harder as an outside designer to get into that because they have preset ideas and and styles. Okay. Um, you know, Tom is the creative director, director. for St. Woods yeah. and designs many of the pieces. And 
you know, I would love, I would love to design a piece or two, but I really, I really feel like they're on a, they're on a, on a streak, you know? Yeah. Does that make sense? No, 100% that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, so what is Supernova and what inspired you to be part of it in 2017? Yeah, 2017, my last year of high school. Um, so Supernova was a short film that I wrote and directed with a friend at the time for a school project. Um, but before that, I had done a lot of videos with my friends. Like That was my, my thing. Like After school, we'd meet up and... I would just film them and then edit it, and I would just like had tons of fun with it. So when in the last year of high school we were prompted to do a five-minute short film, me and my friend looked at each other. We're like, no, 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 we're doing a ten to fifteen-minute short film. Like we're having fun. I don't know. I think it's ten minutes or something, or even less. Yeah, yeah. But we had tons of fun. We were very ambitious, overly ambitious. I cannot watch it without cringing, but I had so much fun doing it. Um, was tote bag one of the first things you ever, not designed, but more so released as like your product? Yes. So my question is, why do you have March and beat the system as a saying on the tote bag you designed? And how does that phrase impact you and your work, if it does? I was pretty much into activism back then, still am. Yeah, I was going to say. a big thing, especially coming to terms with my identity. Yeah. Um, it was important for me to be like as loud as I could, um. Also in in high school, I had a not a fun time in high school. Not that I was bullied or anything. I just I don't think it was my people or my world. And then when I went to CJEP, that's where I really came to terms with with who I was. I I had so much fun with clothing, horrible, horrible outfits that I was putting on. But I was having so much fun. And I think um, just the idea of me having fun and feeling comfortable with my skin really made people think that I was cool. You know what I mean? It's like it all came from within. So, what was that out, one outfit that you put on that you were like, okay, this is my shit, bitch? Oh my god, I, I was wearing those cargo pants. You know, like, you know, I guess you're like you're the not from Montreal, but maybe it's it goes beyond Montreal. But there was a trend back in 2019. 2019, okay. Like 2018, 2019, the cargo pants, like the pink, the yellow, the red cargo pants. Maybe I can find a photo, but. I would love these, and I would wear these all the time. I had two pairs of those. It was it was too much. Were they like super wide leg? Yeah, with like tons of pocket pockets. Okay, let's see. If, and what was like a top? I had a thing for. I think every gay kid has a thing for turtlenecks. I think I think I wore my fair share of turtlenecks. I think turtlenecks just looks good. They do, and they look. Fancy. It accentuates your body so well too. They just feel comfortable. You know yeah, mean? yeah. It's like a nice little blanket. More into it. But anyway, to go back to your question about why march and beat the system, I think I was I just wanted to be loud and I wanted to encourage people around me to be as loud as they could and learning about stuff like, you know, the AIDS crisis yeah. in, in in New York and in the states in well, not just the states, even Africa, but I mean, um, like all over the world. Made me like super angry, like super angry at the world and and also the fact that I had to learn it by myself, you know, and never in school was it mentioned, stuff like that. So all those things about education and erasure of queer histories really fueled me and my work and my my clothing, stuff like that. Yeah, just your identity in general. Yeah. How did you come up with that phrase? I mean, because the reason why I keep mentioning it or I mention it again is because barely any, no, there was no text on it. 
apart from that 99 cent and that phrase. So that phrase, I was like, I do want to ask you about it because it, it just stands out. Did you make a conscious effort to get into activism or make activism something to be more conscious about? No. It's like I couldn't fathom not being an activist or it's like how could you, and you know, I don't, I don't think I believe that now, but it's like how can you be a good queer person if you don't yell about it, if you're not being making noise? You know, because the big slogan of the AIDS, during the AIDS crisis movement was silence equals death. And I really believe that I was like, if, if you're not yelling at the top of your lungs, you know, I'm queer, you know, let's, let's remember queer history, then you're not doing your job or then you're not being a good queer person. Can you educate me just a bit? The AIDS was a, um, a, it's a, it's a virus that attacks the immune, the immune, yeah, si- immune, immune system. Yeah, immune system, yep. And when it broke out um, in the 80s and 90s in, in America, um, Christians and conservative saw it as a gift from God because it targeted mainly queer queer people because it's transmittable by by, by blood. Right. Um, so, which was false. It also it touched a lot of heterosexual couples. Um, so they saw it as a gift from God. So okay. because it's a Christian and very conservative country, it's no surprise that they made no effort whatsoever at you know, finding remedy or at helping those queer people. So hundreds of thousands of men and women, gay and straight, died wrongfully in the hands of, you know, the country. And not just in the States, in Africa, in Canada. And, you know, we're lucky today that we have access to medication to live with HIV. But still, it doesn't mean that because we found a solution that we need to forget about the history of it. And and my dad at the time didn't understand why I was so obsessed, so upset about these things. So that fueled my anger even more. So I think I'm not angry anymore, but I'm still, I don't know. People just think that they're right and their way is the way, and then we have all this conflict in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. You want to move on? Oh, sure. All right, cool. Um, okay, so what is your favorite font and design book? I think that that's something... I love that question. Yeah, you like, yeah. Oh, I love that question. Ah, I'm big on fonts. Like, that's my one of my favorite things to geek about. It's weird, because I might bother you at times through DMs to ask you about fonts. For sure. I know nothing. No, I know about fonts. Like, my favorite font is Garamond and Helvetica, oh. but, like, that's so basic. But- but come on, they're so good. I know. They're so good. Especially Garamond. I found a, like I found a love for Garamond. Yeah. But it's hard to, st- to stray away from those two, those two. Yeah. So enlighten me. A good font. Or your Jeez. favorite font. I, I love them too much. I couldn't think of one. It's like asking who my, f- my favorite child is, you know? But yeah. I love fonts with personalities, you know? Fonts that are... You can tell that there's an intentionality behind the process. One font I was big on for a moment, um, it's called Martin, and it was designed today, but from the signs that people, the black people were making during the civil rights movement, so that's the name Martin. So they took those letterings people were doing, and some designer today made a font from that. So fonts that have intentionality and history by, behind it, I'm all here for. I'm gotcha. obsessed with. And your favorite design book that kind of inspires you? 
Um, hmm, very good question. I just got the the book about Brain Dead. Like that one's cool. Cataloging yeah. their recent work. Um, but I thrifted this book about pictogram design. Not big on pictogram design myself, but something about learning how to abstract a complex images into a bite-sized, like, you know, graphic. I think that's, that's like something that's really interesting. So, pardon me, but pictogram means shapes or, like, stick figures? Pic- so, picto is, is image, right? And gram is word? I don't think, I don't know if I'm 100% right. So, I think it's, like, an image for a word. So, I think, like, an emoji is a pictogram. A hieroglyph is a pictogram, the bathroom sign, okay, okay. or the elevator sign, things like that. So I see, we tend I see. to like we tend to take them for granted. Yeah, 100%. but it is a universal language in the end. You know what I mean? It's like you could be in Tokyo, like you could be in Australia, and a pictogram is going to mean the same. See, I've never thought about it, but now every time I'm going to look at a sign, I think it's think going to remind that. me of you. Think about that. Yeah. So I've looked at a bunch of your posters, right? An Apartment 200 poster is going to have um, a naked back, for example, or just a hand, or um, any other flyer you'll do, it'll just have a bunch of, like, artist name and DJ's name mm-hmm. and then you use so many different gradients fonts you name what your work is so diverse at least I see it that way where where's this inspiration coming from I think a lot of it comes from the history of design and specifically for apartment 200 when I started working for, for, for this place was all about like punk punk flyers okay. and Xerox machine style yeah. so that's where I got a lot of inspiration from and that's also why I was justifying stealing, in quotation mark, photographs or, or images from online because I was like, you know, that's the whole point about the punk movement and yeah. the collage movement is to reuse stuff you found, um, found images and repurposing them. So I didn't feel bad about, about doing so. But then, you know, punk is all about loud and, and heavy and using as much fonts and as many, you know, style as possible in one thing. So that's where I really got my inspiration from, I think. I, I like how um, you just completely made the question a lot more niche towards apartment. That makes a lot more sense now. What is a process like? Because I feel like at least I want to know. Zach is like, hey, we need a poster for um, this Friday's event. Teo 2K is on it. And he's like the only one. So now you need to, well, what is the first step? First step is going to like meet with the the person because oftentimes oh I find really it, i find it hard i find it harder when the client or dj is like do whatever you want because they like to say that and then have a million edits mm-hmm. so if they say well, do whatever you want i'm like no, no 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 let's meet i'll just take 10 15 minutes of your time tell me what what you like what what, what things i've done you like or what kind of designers you're into you know just because i wanted to nail it on the first or second try. So once I've done that, I'm like, okay, I think I have a direction. Then I'll pull from what I've done and I'll just pull from books, man. I'll just pull. But a designer once told me that a, a really good way to work with inspiration is through memory. So instead of looking at references and then you know, going back and forth from your artwork and your reference, 
if you had, if you remember something, if you remember a poster, oh, I like that font that, that poster used, instead of looking for that poster, just work from memory. I think you're gonna find yourself making something a bit more original than if you worked side by side with a reference. Does that make sense? So essentially what you mean is, say, um, I like the font that you use for garden party mm -hmm. flyer you made. You made that flyer, right? Yes. Yeah. So now instead of getting that flyer and screenshotting it and having it as a reference. Work from memory. Work from memory. And I think it goes beyond just graphic design. I think if you're designing a garment right. and you're thinking, oh, I really like the way that Braindead is constructing their t-shirts, you know, instead of looking it, up, looking it up, just go from memory, you know, oh, I think it's, it's boxy, I think the neck is, you know, a bit thicker, things like that. Cool. That was a very good lesson. That, that's, yeah. yeah, no, that's a, that's a lesson and a half. Yeah. No, I'm extremely grateful you told me something like that. I would have never thought about it. I mean, it's not, it's not mine, but I, I'm happy to who be was, passing it on. Who was the person that passed this on you? Um, I think... Because I had a class in university and every week would have a different professional come and talk and I'm 99% sure it is a designer called Kevin Lowe that okay. runs a graphic design firm in Montreal called House Nine and his practice really struck with me. Now I'm not 100% sure he told me that lesson but he told 100 more good lessons so I let's just give him credit for that one. Sounds good. Um, what's the importance of giving back? Because you gave 100% of your profits on the 2020 calendar you made, right? And then um, the paintings that you were selling recently, you were like, hey, if you buy this painting, I'm going to give this amount of money to a charity you choose. Like I said, nothing is made in a vacuum. We were people before you, um, whether it's artists or your parents, you know, there's a reason why you're able to make that's, that was me talking to myself. There's a reason why you're able to make a painting and sell it for that amount of money. Um, so my goal was also never make money. I was never struggling with that. So giving back is an important part of the process, I think. Um, yeah. It doesn't have to be deep. No, I don't think it's deep. Yeah. I think it's important to, to, to give back, whether it's money or lessons or do community work. Because that's what your legacy is in, in the end. You know, it's... I want to just go back. So you said I didn't want to make money. What well, What do you mean? For something like graphic design or labor, I'll never undersell myself. Okay. Well, I'll try not to undersell myself. I have and I still am. Uh, but I think for something like art making, that mm -hmm. is a bit... It's, there's less pressure. I mean, it's me just making art. Yeah. I think I felt less bad about giving some of that money away. Because I, know, I don't see myself as a full-time artist. I don't even see myself as an artist like that yet. Why? I think it's important to make a distinction between art and design. And I do think, don't get me wrong, that it intersects a lot. I think a lot of design objects are art. But I do find that when I, crea when I create designs for clients, I don't see it as art because it doesn't come from the heart. Because it comes from a part of me, but... There's so much of the client's needs and, and taste and interest that comes into play that it doesn't feel like art making. How different is a process of you working on a personal project like a calendar or your paintings than clients work? How different is the process from the start? I feel like the art making process is a bit fun in the way because it's like if you're making a choice, yeah. an intentional choice in your painting or let's say painting, Right. If you're asking yourself, do I like that? Yeah, I like that. Or no, I don't like that. You don't have to 
reach out to the client, ask them, wait for them to reply, and then, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, fuck it, I'll just do whatever I want. And there's so many more parameters when you're working with somebody. That's just, like, not the same process at all. You know, when I'm working for myself, working on a personal project, I'm like, oh, but I can go this way, I can go that way. But when I'm working for, like, a client, it's like, oh, let me just ask what the person wants. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. Yet again, it's like we all have different perspective towards everything, basically. It's crazy. Like, you, you'll have a conversation with a stranger, and you'll be like, oh, you think exactly the same way. And you have a conversation with a friend, and you guys are completely mm-hmm. different. That's true. I guess the fun thing about making designs is that you know they're going to be used. There's a life to the object you're creating with painting, let's say. Once I send it off to some to the buyer, I don't I don't ever see the painting again. Maybe I know that it's loved and appreciated, but then that's it. I'm parting ways with it. When I'm let's say designing the front sign for doubles, I get to go see it. I get to experience it in a way, and I know it's it's used because it brings people in. What I want to ask you now, you said I find I find it so much special that we can learn from non-human and even non-animal species. How has that? impacted your life and then your work like you said you're obsessed with bugs Mm -hmm. you know and I I know that was like an example but I'm sure you can go like a little in depth do you have a story that kind of you were like oh the bug crawls that way hmm I wonder if like my life is this way or some some shit like that maybe I'll think of an example as we're talking but I do get inspired a lot by the randomness of nature um the fact that there's no pre-existent system, but still it works, and every little species knows what to do. So this push and pull between randomness and, and data is really interesting to me. So when I, make, when I make a poster, for example, I like to play off that push and pull, like putting fonts together that don't make sense or or playing with randomness as much as I can. And then with the with the rise of AI now, this idea of randomness is like a bit hard to play with now because, I don't know, an AI can just make it for you. I'm trying to not keep up as much as I can. I really do not want to get into like this whole world. There's definitely like a lot of benefits. Like I used, I tried, so I had a workshop and then I was, I was brainstorming ways to promote the workshop. And I'm ahead of like, okay, well, I could do social media and um, word to mouth, and then that's it. And then I tried chat GPT. GPT, yeah. I asked the, the software to come up with a marketing strategy. Or, right. And then it just gave me a bunch of points that I could have found on Google, but just the fact that it was there, concise, you know, like print posters bring into co-working space, universities, cafes, and I did that, and then it helped, you know what I mean? Like, there's definitely something we can take from AI, but I do, as a creative, want to stay away from that world as much as I can. Interesting you say that, yeah. For as long as I can. It's going to have its benefits, but again, I think it kind of comes down to your personal brand. I think whatever you're doing, if you have a personal brand, AI will never be able to replace it. No, I totally agree. Um... AI might replace your work, but it might not replace the brand that you have with that work. The energy of the energy you have. An artwork. I totally agree. I think, I think as you as humans, we need to give 
ourselves more um, the benefit of the doubt that we're, I think we're able to make the distinction unconsciously of what is AI produced, what, what is an AI produced, yeah. or what is a human produced work. I think we think that we're having trouble, but I, I know that we can. Yeah, 100%. I think with time, like, because there's what? Hundred million, five billion people who are creatives like us. Mm-hmm. I don't even consider myself creative, but why not? Put the finger at me. I'll point the finger at you. Why not? You have a brand. What under your mm. belt? A forty episode podcast. This new podcast and a new brand coming up. What's not creative about that? Because right now, I think I'm gonna be honest. It'll call. It all comes down to the money. I. Th- I think I will consider myself a creative once I start making money with my creative projects. Interesting. I think that's that's what it is, if I was being completely honest. On that aspect, mm-hmm. I'm also like very hard on myself. But then, if I'm a creative, then I guess anybody is a creative. Anybody can start a podcast. Like, you don't you don't need you don't need anything. You just need a friend to have a conversation with. So is that person really a creative? But then. I listened to you talk and I listened to your first podcast and you have something that other people don't and it's this idea that people like riff off of each other. A lot of people are coming up with podcasts because you give that example. People are not good hosts. People are not able to have a conversation. They're just like, okay, well, let me, let me ask you questions and then once you're done talking, I'm moving on to the next. And I think you think it's easy to do a podcast, but I think there's like a lot of work behind it. I, could, I couldn't have a podcast. I, I think you could. I don't know. I think you could be a good co-host. Maybe. You you can, I mean, here's the thing. Okay, sure, I'm somewhat of a good host, but I will never be able to have a good conversation with you if you were not able to converse with me. It's a two-way thing, True. right? We're riffing off each other. But I want to get into Connor Franta. Your first ever tweet okay. was on February 10th, 2016. And you asked Connor if you had an unusual superpower, what it would be. So now I want to ask you that question. What would be your unusual, unusual superpower flow? Superpower. Or just superpower in general? <sighs> I do want something that's useless. Something that's completely useless? I think, because I think it was, if it was a useful superpower, it would ruin my life. You know what I mean? Obviously, I want to fly, but then I don't want this to become my thing, and then people know that I fly, and I have to, like, I have to t- fly people around. Like, I, you know what I mean? I do, yeah. No. You know? Or teleportation. Sounds fun, but when you think about it, you lose all the fun of traveling, and then, you know what I mean? Like yeah. Getting the journey of it all. So I think, to answer your question, God, I want to speak to dogs and bugs and animals. I feel like they have so much to say. True. But it's not cool. that... It's not that unusual, you know? And that's Dr. useful. Did it. I mean, yeah. you said you wanted a useless. Yeah, I guess. Imagine you're the only person who can speak yeah. with species. I don't know. I think you, get ki- you would get killed. By? The fucking government or some you shit think? like that. They wouldn't have to know. True. I'd keep a secret. Yeah. Huh. You would never disclose on the podcast. No. Yeah. It's all make-believe. It's all, you know, off the record. I don't know. Um, probably that. Probably speak to bugs. I feel like they have all Suggest this knowledge. Bugs. Huh? Suggest bugs. Just bugs. I think they have this knowledge that we don't. They just go about their day. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, even, even dogs, I feel like dogs are um, domesticated. They're pretty much influenced by the human lifestyle. Yeah. So it'd be fun to talk to them, but I feel like, you know, it'd be, it'd be like talking to, like, a kid. 
a toddler. But bugs just, you know, do their thing, man. I don't know. Hey, like, how do you run a colony? Like, how do you know that you're a worker ant? Like, do you ever feel like you don't want to be a worker ant? You know what I mean? Like, all those things. I feel like we could, we could learn a lot, basically. Yeah, I mean, we can kind of learn. We can learn about anything from anyone, whether it's a bug. I think even if you can't speak to a bug, this is going to sound cliche, but you can just kind of see like their movement or whatever the fuck it is. They're awesome. They're awesome. They're I don't like bugs. Bad. You don't? No, because imagine I'm trying to sleep and there's... Yeah, because I want to know, like, do they, do they tell stories? You know, Do they have this idea of storytelling? Because bugs have been around for longer than we have. Right? I think so, yeah. No, what if they know things about the dinosaur times? You know, they just... True. You know, word to mouth. But anyway, enough were about you, bugs. Were you thinking about, um, not necessarily bugs, but just things like these when you were a kid? Like, have you been a very curious kid? I think I was. Like, I never really was scared of bugs or... That's not true. I was scared of fish. I was scared of grass a lot as a kid. Like, I wouldn't touch the grass. Really? But I was still curious, you know? Kids are so curious. Mm -hmm. They're, like, not scared of anything. And then as we grow older, we lose that sense of curiousness. Curiosity, Curiosity, yeah. I totally agree. Whether it's just, like, going outside on your front step and sitting on the ground and playing with with rocks. Exactly. And twigs and stuff like that. I feel like you could learn a lot. And that's what we're talking about, getting inspired by nature, there's so many beautiful patterns in nature, you know, even like the bark on a tree has so much to offer, you know, in terms of randomness, but system, I think, you know. Why do you think you think that way, whereas somebody who's not creative doesn't think that way? Does that, does that question make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. And it's a, it's a golden question. I mean, no, it is a golden you probably question. don't know the answer, but I think it's, something to think about i think i was always curious but then when i started to um read upon graphic design and whatever um i came across this artist who is now has been my all-time favorite designer um his name is braulio amado he's a i think portuguese based um well portuguese Mm -hmm. um designer and all of his work is basically taking stuff he sees outside whether it's like a piece of plastic on the floor, a gum, or a tree, and he'll, like, remash it into his work. He'll, like, draw it in a way, and it's just, like, this curiosity details really inspired me. I'm like, okay, fuck, I have to, like, walk around and, like, constantly look around me for for stuff that's interesting, like, that's out of place, so that's a bit random, so I can put it into my work. Do you find yourself zoned out often or daydreaming? Mm Mm-hmm, I love to do that. Yeah, I do too. I was I was at a date, my girlfriend, and I mean this is not good. But I zoned out. Like people watching. People watching. Yeah, I when I go to a restaurant with anybody, I just love looking at people eating their food and just kind of talking. My boyfriend just like you, and I'm like, yeah. Sometimes when we walk into a restaurant, I try to sit in facing the wall. Yeah. Because then he'll just be like looking at everybody, and it's like, dude. You know, <laughs> like but, yo, hair. Yeah. So I, you know? I don't think I'm into people watching like that, but definitely like bug watching and 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 things watching. 
Yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. I, I, I honestly learned so much. Um, I just want to ask, like, a few questions, and then we can kind of end it. Okay, so you said you're focused on your path and determined to get you want. And that's something that motivates you. What is something that you want? Like, I want to know, because, like, if you're living... Uh, listening to this in the next six months i want to be able to have this conversation sort of provide you something to look back on mm-hmm. make sense it does it does well we're talking about manif- manifesting a lot you know i started to do those lists at the beginning of the year yeah and try to check off as i go because i really believe in the power of manifesting and saying things out loud um I'm sure you know about manifesting. You can read a ton of it about it online. I think mm-hmm. it's a powerful tool. So, yeah, when we're talking about being determined to get what I want, it starts with saying it. So, like, let's say, like, I'm saying right now, you know, like, okay, this September I want to pitch my first business. Like, I'm saying it right now. And then six months from now in September, I hope that I listen back to this podcast and I've pitched my first business. That's, like that. that's beautiful. Cool. So, I mean, I guess in a way you're an entrepreneur at heart. Yeah. I think yeah. part of it is because of my dad. He really like business. And yeah, he's very business oriented. That's like the only thing that we ever um, relate on. Honestly, me and my dad as well. Yeah. Yeah. You get that. Yeah. So you kind of like riddled by this need to impress, impress your dad and kind of like satisfy. Them. Right. Right. It's uh, it's something like I think about often too. But this, I mean, I can't even express like how grateful I am to have this conversation with you. I learned so much. Thank you for having me over. Honestly, it's just very cathartic. You know, sometimes to just think about those. those yeah, you know, these are some of the things we don't even think about. No, we're just autopilot. Monday to Friday, it's this. Saturday, Sunday, it's chores. Oh, even um, you bringing it back to 2017, you know, with Supernova and yeah. things like that. I, would, I don't think I would have ever thought about that in a million years. So I guess I did somewhat of a good job. You absolutely did. And I was kind of scared when you mentioned Conifrenta, but I think we kept it PG. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anything you want to add or any other creatives I should have a conversation with? Honestly, if... I'm going to plug you in, but if you can ever sit Zach down, I know he's a very busy man, but he's if, a very busy I'm sure man. you can probably wrap it up in 45 to an hour. He has so much to offer, so much to teach. He has this drive that just bleeds onto you. So if you can have him on a podcast, that would be lovely. I don't know. That that would be amazing. That's I mean, the first one I think about. Yeah, cool. Um, but once again, thank you. Starting a conversation. What is the easiest way anybody can start a conversation with you? I think on Instagram, man. You know, at Flow Socks. Yeah. At Flow, Flow Socks. underscore Socks. Yes, that's me. Um, I think I, as much as I love to talk shit about Instagram, I think a lot can happen there. A yeah. lot of beauty can come out of it. A lot of good relationships. So if you ever want to message me, I'm very open. He's the nicest person on this fucking Stop planet. Saying. No, I'm for real. Um, and I'm saying this from the bottom of my heart, but I'm going to cut the audio Listen, now. It takes a nice person to, to, to know one. I won't That's forget that. I won't forget that. 